Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film It's Complicated. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss some elements of the plot and they will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello. Hey. How's it going? I am all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am officially on paternity leave. Excellent. Excellent. Legally. Legally. Yeah. Not illegally. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't just go, screw you, I'm going on paternity leave now. (laughs) Flip over your desk and walk out of the building. (laughs) Yeah. And they're all like, does he, does he have kids? Huh? He never mentioned any kids. <laughs> he mentioned nothing. What was his name? He just turned yeah. up one day and started typing on a computer. Yeah, who was that guy? <laughs> that's how that's how people used to get jobs back in the day. It was like, oh, they, they just used to show up somewhere and they'd be like, you, what are you doing here? And they'd be like, oh, I'm here to work. And then, yeah, that's how it works. Or, and then a little bit after that, that turned into, oh, you just call somewhere up and like, even if they don't have a vacancy... Like you'll definitely like be able to get a job, or you walk in somewhere and give them your CV, which is what, which is how our parents got jobs, right? Yeah, back in the day, um, it, there was a, the job man that was like Santa Claus who came every year and was like, "You, you need a job. Have a job here. It makes you enough money to pay for a whole family by yourself, and you've got to do three hours work a day." And that's <laughs> how it used to work. Yeah, job on Jobmas every year on Jobmas, it'd come job. Santa job would come around and go, you, get down the steel mill. It's a present. And that's why there are so many associations between Christmas and coal, because of mining jobs. Exactly, exactly. So uh, actually, if you get coal for Christmas, it's a good thing. Yeah, it means that the job job clause, as he goes by, in certain Is that parts the, of the uh, world. <laughs> the sequel to Fred Claus? <laughs> job clause. <laughs> Fred Claus, the greatest Christmas film ever made. Job Claus are actually the modern day equivalent of golden handcuffs. Yeah, yeah. The good thing. They they put you in them, they march you down the mine, you get paid. Yeah, it's all good. And claws are good for scratching at the rock to get to the goodies inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's how mining works. It's that's how, that's how proper mining works. Pickaxes aren't real. Change my mind. Yeah, just claws. Lots and lots of claws. <laughs> But yeah, I'm very, very happy to not be working now for eight weeks. I mean, I'll be working in a different way once the baby comes because I will not be sleeping and I'll be having to soothe a small child every five seconds and explain to them that, yes, sometimes you're like in one one room and then you walk into another room and that's you don't have to cry at that. But they'll cry because they've never experienced stuff like that. You exactly. Know, they've never it's seen... whole learning experience. They've never seen walls and doors and tables and stuff before, you know? Everything's new to them. I mean, I know that the first time I saw a table terrified me. You were furious, I heard. I was so angry. I was like, what is this? Kicked it over. (laughs) The floor's not good enough for you. (laughs) Yeah, what is this newfangled technology? (laughs) First world problems. Coffee tables. Disgraceful behaviour. 
Yeah, or well, and you know, there's coffee tables, but he doesn't. He won't even really understand what coffee is. So it's yeah. Although it's just a small table, being the, the, table. the being the son of a man who drinks nine plus cups of coffee a day, he's probably going to come out with like a caffeine problem <laughs> right out the womb. <laughs> 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 he's just there and then just grabs the doctor and is like pulls them down and just whispers espresso you bastard <laughs> get me coffee now <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah this this is what i have to look forward to but it's good it's it's a good time i'm glad but but i'm not taking leave from the podcast so we're just gonna try and fit it around when whenever i can but yeah, because no. you do have a large adult son to take care of, which is me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's you. Oh, large adult sons, like, do- <laughs> like like good old good old Donald Trump. He was the first ever person to have a large adult son, and then he had another. <laughs> and he had another one. What, did one reach the stage of being a large adult son, and then the other was born, and then became a large adult son? Do, do the Trumps just grow very very quickly? Yeah, the, that's what they're famous for. Like dogs. Yeah, like dogs, exactly. Every five seconds on Twitter, Donald Trump is comparing someone to a dog. Again, it's a good thing. You think it's a bad thing, like Cole? It's a good thing. If he says yeah. you're like a dog, it means he likes you. And he <laughs> you thinks... are like my large adult son. <laughs> he thinks you're one of his... Who I love. ...his big furry sons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. dear oh. Anyway, how's your week been? It's Thursday, aka... Well, it's now the Easter weekend, so that is a good thing. Four days off. It is, it is, which is great. So I have, yeah, four days of not being at work, which is great. Do I'm, you have um, to it. lots of plans to celebrate the the crucifixion of our chocolate lord? Yep. So um, <laughs> building, the Easter bunny. building little chocolate crucifixes, which is the British tradition, um, as well you all know. Um, then we will be boiling the cream eggs. Um, that's how we do it over here. I'm not sure how you think we eat them in the rest of the world, but you boil them. You put them in a pan and you boil them till they're all melty and there's fondant and like melted chocolate everywhere and you've ruined a pan. Or just like you f- let it... floating in the top of the water <laughs> and then, <laughs> little bits. And, and then you let it cool slightly <laughs> and then you drink it with a big straw and burn your tongue in your throat. Yep. That, that, that's... that's the British way. I think that's specifically the Sussex way. That's what they call it. <laughs> The Sussex celebration. <laughs> yeah, that's the Sussex Easter celebration. <laughs> the sec. The sec. Yeah. Yeah. Well established. Well oh established. yeah. It's 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 a tradition that actually goes well back beyond um, the festival of Easter itself. Before before the Easter Bunny was invented. Yeah, yeah. Easter Bunny is commercial. What's real is Cadbury's cream eggs. Yeah, they, yeah. They date back. They date back centuries. Yeah. If you see if you see bumper stickers when you're driving around Sussex, they're all like keep sec in easter yeah exactly that's the important thing it's what we need yeah <laughs> so remember to boil your cream eggs as a patriotic yeah, gesture you've gotta you've gotta do it whilst singing land of hope and glory yeah um that's how we do it in sussex to make sure that we leave the european union before halloween as if that's gonna happen <laughs> that's a great halloween present. halloween also incidentally something of a chocolate festival indeed indeed i hear that they can only do things um brexit related during the chocolate months yep this is true link between brexit and chocolate mainly due to brexit being a a problem with brussels where chocolate comes from originally that's exactly right exactly right Uh, i have a confession to make um i will be your priest go on 
Thank you, Father. Um, I have sinned. I do not think Cadbury's chocolate is the best chocolate. In fact, I believe that Milka chocolate is the best chocolate. Now you have to go go outside, kneel down on the bench and say, Ten hail Cadbury's. <laughs> I will do no such things. No, no I I agree. I totally agree. Milk or chocolate is really, really good. The Swiss, I don't know, something about those Swiss cows. They've just got the right, the perfect milk. They know how to do it right. It's the neutrality. It's that, the neutrality. Ah, that's true, isn't it? Yeah. Schengen cows. That's the secret. <laughs> that's a great band name. <laughs> Schengen cows. <laughs> I wish Schengen cows. <laughs> and Let's here's get... our song. <laughs> impartiality <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Cadbury's is okay you know a dairy yeah, milk like every Cadbury's. now and then is really I nice like, and... I like Cadbury's it's a little bit too sweet I find yeah it's it's got a bit it's a bit too strong so it can be quite overpowering if you have too much at once do you do you find that the uh, the chocolate egg chocolate you get from Cadbury's so like the thin the thin layer that's forced into a large chocolate egg that you get in a, a traditional Easter egg is actually nicer than a dairy milk bar and it's something yes. about it being that thin thinness is actually makes it nice yeah I completely agree and it's the same way that um, flakes are so nice because obviously flake is mm. crumbly a lighter chocolate and and it's to do with it 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 sort of tones down the strength of it because Cadbury's is quite a strong chocolate. It's got that real powerful taste to it. So actually reducing the amount. Yeah, but it's like um, it's like what's better, a, a, a well sliced piece of cheddar or grabbing a block out of the fridge and just shoving it in your face. It's the sliced cheese, which is better. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say I'd done that on occasion, but yeah. <laughs> I, have, I haven't just done a, it today. Just uh, ripping open a cathedral city packet <laughs> and just eating it like a duck. Yeah, like, <laughs> wait. Like it's a duck or like I'm a duck? Like you're a duck. All right, okay. Well, throw back, ingesting. Like I'm a small, angry animal with teeth inside my beak. Yeah. 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 You've got to love those those interior teeth. Yeah. Very... I'm not sure what <laughs> exterior teeth look like. <laughs> really, all our teeth are interior. You've seen Nigel Farage, yeah. He's Ooh. got He's got exterior teeth. Yeah, he doesn't smile with his mouth closed, does he? No, they're always on show. He's a he's a man. Is old. <laughs> a factual statement. He is. He's a man. Unfortunately, he a man. <laughs> there's that is where the similarity between him and us ends. <laughs> I hope he gets no Easter eggs this year. I hope he only gets ones that say, I hate you, Nigel Farage. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I want insulting ones rather than um, getting none. Because if he gets none, then he can make the I still love Easter baby joke. He, which um... is the greatest <laughs> joke known to man. He, he, I, I think we need to just send him lots of abusive love hearts. So rather than things like, I want to kiss you or you're the best or what else <laughs> what do love hearts say these days i bet they say lots of cool stuff they're like, like be my be my smoochy poo and yeah. oh no 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 these days it's all be my bay and stuff yeah like uh you woke me from <laughs> my slumber with your love yeah because you're woke because you're woke you know yeah. um yeah i bet i bet it always says all that cool stuff but really i want ones that just say you should be ashamed of yourself <laughs> 
Yeah, like you know how you you can go into Thornton's and get them to write any message in the nice icing yes. on a on a chocolate egg. You just get one that just says "fuck you, Nigel." <laughs> and also to add to add insult to insult, they they also spell his name wrong as well. Yes, two two G's. <laughs> Nigel. Nigel. Yeah. Just, just, just a message that says, "I'm very disappointed in how you turned out." <laughs> Love, mum. Love, mum. Happy Easter. <laughs> Jesus is risen. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling a bit delirious because I'm. Yeah, I just can't believe I don't have to go into an office for eight weeks. That is that is very nice, and you've got a very exciting time ahead of you in your life. Yeah, it's mostly because I'm excited to become a father. But yes. yeah, that is. But also, <laughs> but also you deal. don't have to go to work for a while. <laughs> yeah, but also Easter is nice. such a weird time of year, isn't it? It's not as good as Christmas, obviously. It doesn't have the same buzz, but it still has the same sense of sort of weird urgency to it, doesn't it? Like, must take time off, must go away, must do something, you know. But really, it's not long enough to really do that much. It's just another long weekend. Yeah, as as someone who's not religious and who doesn't come from a religious family, for me, it's always been a... Um, Hang on, I just heard you... I just acted as a priest for you for a confession, and now you're telling me you're not religious. What I the am, fuck? I am religious to the Church of Paddy. <laughs> Good. That was the correct, <laughs> that's the correct answer. Um, but as someone who, who, who doesn't come from a Christian background, my parents are, are not religious, and I am not religious. Um, uh, we, 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 let's go deep here, Paddy. Let's go deep here. So, yeah, so let's for, go deep. for me, for religion, me. it's complicated. It, it is complicated. That, that, that'll be our segue when we get yes. there, but it's fine. Exactly. Um, so, so for me, I'm not religious, and but I wouldn't know that I consider myself an atheist either, um, insofar as I don't know what started life, and I do not know what follows on from life. Yeah. And I don't think there's been any substantial evidence to prove that there is nothing beyond it because it all happens on a plane beyond our understanding of science. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, obviously I come from a Catholic background. I still go to church every now and then and there are bits of it that I connect with. But my actual view on whether or not a God exists is that that is something we cannot know. We We can't prove that there isn't a God, but we can't prove that there is either. And that, that's agnosticism, isn't it? Whereas atheists are all like, there's definitely no God, reason, science. Brr. Whereas like... <laughs> that, you know, that final point, <laughs> the brr, is, is definitely yeah. accurate. You know, here's, here's all, a whole bunch of angry nonsense. Whereas, you know, for all we... There's so much that we don't know. And that's why I find atheism very difficult to deal with because it assumes that we know we can know things that we can never know. We know we're just one small planet, you know, hurtling through space we only know so much of even our own planet let alone the rest of the known universe or where it came from or anything and the things we have to sort of give us indications of what might have happened or how we got here or what happens when we die or anything like that they're only very very small things it's all just so unknowable so you know maybe maybe it is all true who knows yeah and and, and that's that's how i feel as well is you know that we can understand things within our physical plane and we can understand things scientifically um, about, you know, the physics of the universe. And so, you know, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, it's all wrong, flat earth, or evolution's <laughs> yeah. fake, or even, you know, you get some people that claim that the Big Bang can't be proved beyond a theory. And I believe in the theory of the Big Bang. I think 
there is substantial evidence to provide that as the creation of the universe but as yeah. to, as for beyond our universe who knows who knows the only thing i do know is that i liked the film it's complicated i i liked it too i like it i should say it's 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 good it's very very good so here's the thing that's knowable this is why we do podcasts because they're about things that we can know and that we can understand this is how we gather to get through this thing called life only through podcasts only through podcasts it is the one Nothing true else. form of reason we discussed last week on last week's podcast i think how music can go away didn't we yes yeah yeah so next we have to say bye bye to writing no books no, no nothing. writing no writing yeah no words unless they're spoken only spoken and then not spoken word no <laughs> that can get in the bin <laughs> as yeah. previously established absolutely so no podcasts and films those those are what we like that is all there is the two genders <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't you go turning into some kind of podcast turf on me, Paddy? Yeah, this is this, this is what's happening. I'm I'm a member of the alternative right. <sighs> I'm I'm not. No. I'm really not. <laughs> you, yeah, you're not turning into the romantic comedy version of Ben Shapiro. Oh Jesus Christ! Have you heard the um the podcast Chapo Trap House? I, I have heard of it. People talk about it constantly. I Twitter. have been trying to listen to it for a while and I could never deal with it because it has more than three people all talking, which on a podcast I find really difficult to listen to. Um, like it, There's just too many people. Um, but I, I was told by a friend of the podcast, Adam Molesky, to listen to their most recent one where they eviscerate Ben Shapiro's book and it's really good. So you should check oh, that amazing. out. Yeah, I... Um, I... I find that podcasts with more than that, they need some kind of structure to them. So um, I really like uh, role-playing game podcasts. So things that are based on Dungeons and Dragons or on other kind of tabletop role-playing where these people sort of create their characters. And although I've never actually played one of those games before myself, um, I find it really fun listening to people, often if, if they do it in a more comedic way rather than a straight-up serious, I'm a barbarian and I attack the orc. Um if it, if it's people who are more into sort of like the comedic side of things, I find them very funny. So um, the McElroy brothers, who do my brother, my brother. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they do a really good role playing game podcast called The Adventure Zone, um, yeah. Where they go from sort of one game to another, and they tell these very long, very compelling stories and make up these hilarious characters in them, um, which is good. So that's a that's a recommendation. The Adventure Zone, go listen to it. It's great. It's it is good. Yep, I can recommend. But what else is good? Do they ever talk about romantic comedies? No. So that's why we're here. That's why we're here. And and we are here for. It's complicated. Yeah, which is is a good film. Um, I had seen this a couple times before, I think, but hadn't watched it recently, so it was always good. And what's good about it as well, you know, obviously this is a good film that's always worth rewatching. But um, there are things that you that don't necessarily always stay with you. Um, like you know, there's just all the stuff like that. She has a bakery with Steve Martin, and that the scene in which they um they're making the croissants together after their night. Like I'd totally forgotten about that scene, and it was just so lovely, you know. Yes, yeah, it is a nice film. Um, it's one of those films where I swore I had seen it before, but I do not remember anything that happened in it. So maybe I saw something else. <laughs> um, yeah, or or maybe you it's saw. Just... 
it's not complicated. Yeah, I saw it's it's easy. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so I I swear I've seen it before, but I don't really remember any of it whatsoever. But I enjoyed it. It was a good film. Um, I liked that it focused on people who were older than your usual romantic comedy. Yes. That was good. Um, I wish more movies would do that. Yeah, definitely. There are very few films. I mean, I honestly, right now, I can't think of any off the top of my head. And obviously there are lots of films, but that not films that approach it with the same kind of joy and playfulness as this you know it's it's very very good in that sense yeah and and you do get um you do get some that are about older people don't you um or or ones that include them in a combination sort of thing which is nice um you've got like as good as it gets where they're a little bit older yeah um, yeah which is nice that's a good um and and so yeah you do you do get them it's good and I do like it when it focuses on someone other than two young people. Yeah, for sure. Well, if you look at um, Nancy Myers' other work, she also wrote and directed Something's Gotta Give, which oh, yeah. um, also Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton, um, then that's there in their, their 50s and 60s. So, yeah, similar thing there. Yeah, which is nice. And and, and and I think part of this movie, part of the way that this movie works so well is down to its two leads as well, who are two real heavyweights. And it's nice seeing them in something a little bit more playful. Yeah, the bridges of Madison County. This ain't. No, it is not. Um, <laughs> it is her accent. Her accent is extremely normal. <laughs> she, she sounds normal. She acts normal. Um, and and yeah, and I and I, it's it's really nice seeing it because it is just a romantic comedy, and it's a silly little movie, and it, it has their those tender and more serious moments where it does discuss, you know. Um, getting together with uh, with an ex particularly one that they had such an established life together and whether that can work again and things like that um but most of the time it's just some silly good fun yeah well it's but it it strikes i think it strikes the balance between silly fun and jokiness and sort of real very very good emotional interplay between the characters and family dynamics and all that kind of stuff it gets the the level of emotion just right you know you don't come out of it wanting to weep but you do come out of it with this really big sense of sort of inflated emotion um and having connected with every character in the film really yes yeah exactly um and and you you get so involved in all of their lives don't you um yeah which is which is nice even the characters who aren't on stage for all that um on the on screen sorry for all that long like um Alec Baldwin's new wife, um, Agnes, she's, she only appears about three times. Um, but every time you just get a little, little, little snippet of their relationship that really, really says a lot. And the same with their son, Pedro, who's like five. He's in, he's in like two scenes, but you know, it's, it's just there to have that reminder that, yeah, he has this whole other family, you know, that, and that is part of the reason that it's complicated. And, um, you know, maybe things don't work out with him, with her, but that doesn't mean that he's going to go back to Meryl Streep after their affair. And then that's kind of, that's adult as well. Um, but yeah, and the the thing that really got me as well is when um, Alec Baldwin and Meryl Streep are dancing at the, their son's graduation party um, and Agnes is watching them and it just kind of zooms in on her face and like you see the realisation on her face that he's still in love with his ex-wife and there's no, no dialogue, no lines or anything at that point. You just see that realisation and that was really, really good as well. But the, the dialogue was also good, so it struck that balance between dialogue and between saying things without 
any dialogue, which you know films like this often struggle to do. I think. Yes, yeah, for sure, and and I think it really does. Um, it really does work incredibly well here, um, which is which is nice to see. Um, and and it, it is that perfect blend because quite a lot of the dialogue is quite quippy and quite clever, um, but then it does handle those scenes uh, through through sort of like showing us what's going on without having the characters explain things. Um, and it's neat. It's neat. It's a clever movie. It's good. It is neat. It's a good one. Very, can very we, good. Can we talk about how Alec Baldwin is the destroyer of lives, though? <laughs> He's just this uh, wrecking ball that ruins he, everything. He totally does come in with like his, a wrecking with ball. His, with his impulse and his lack of impulse control. <laughs> Um, which is which is fascinating. Um, his yeah. character in this is very similar to his character as the boss in Elizabeth Town. It's that mm. same kind of almost childlike exuberance, and and so you could imagine that spending a lot of time with him would be unbelievably emotionally draining. Yeah, and um, just just really irritating. Yeah, um, but it but it works really well in the short dose of just spending time with someone in uh, in a movie. Um, where he's got this energy and and this enthusiasm, um, which is really interesting to see. And I th- I think it's kind of the perfect role for him as well, and the kind of actor that he is, and the kind of history that he is. These are the kind of characters that he does play, but he's not necessarily always allowed to be this loose and this fun with them. They're just playing kind of like irritating, bastardly people. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. usually, there's a bit, maybe a bit more of a bastardly angle to it. So he's not a complete bastard, but he is the one who's kind of ruining it for everyone. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. He is um he is he is that guy who's just kind of ruining everything. <laughs> but we kind of love him anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And like you you sort of find out gradually that they've been divorced for 10 years, which and then you're you're sort of thinking, "Oh, well, now that they're sort of weirdly having an affair after 10 years, like what changed in that time?" And it's like obviously just a build up of things between his marriage not working and She's um, dated other people, but it hasn't quite worked out. And so it's you're filling in bits of the backstory as it's going, but those things aren't really important because it's a love story for now. Um, and it's, it it builds really well as well. So you've got the kids' graduation in New York, uh, and they, they sleep together there, and then there sort of begins this, this very, very awkward and funny affair. And the thing is that the scenes where, like, they they decide to go to a hotel um and then the the daughter and her boyfriend played by my main man john krasinski he's there and he sees them so he works it out and it's all like there are elements that touch upon the farcical but the the comedy really really works to solve to serve the romantic plot and that's what i think really works about this film is that the comedy serves the romantic plot and not the other way around yes yeah exactly and that there's these kind of um farcical moments aren't there um, like that whole scene in the um, in the hotel where John Krasinski is there and he sees them and he's got to try and distract um, his his fiance, uh, who is the daughter of of Streep and Baldwin, um, by sort of doing relatively silly things for a little while. And it's like yeah. it's like a scene out of a, a out of an old sitcom, isn't it? You can imagine. Yeah, it's like, whoa, look over there. Um, yeah. And and so yeah, but but those little moments of of fun they do work quite well. They do, and yeah. It, it's a it's a film that revels in its lightheartedness where it can, and I think it really works well because of that. Yeah, it's it's a, and 
yeah, the, the scene that people most remember it for is obviously the one where Alec Baldwin gets naked and sits in front of the laptop while Steve Martin's logging on to Skype on the other side. So he is presented with, obviously, a view of Alec Baldwin's balls. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> and then Alec Baldwin gets up and turns around and you see his bum. Whee. This movie is full of, of bum and ball. Yeah. Bum and Baldwin. <laughs> that's what, that's what was the, the working title. <laughs> That's the the other Baldwin brother you never hear about, Bum and Baldwin. Bum and, Bum and Baldwin. Yeah, there are about five of them, aren't there? Yes. Alec Baldwin, yes. Eddie Baldwin. You got you got Billy Baldwin. Billy Baldwin. Billy Baldwin. Um, who was a a rather big star back in the day was old Billy. Yeah, what was he in? So so should we go through the Baldwins? Yeah. Welcome to the Baldwin cast. <laughs> the- we're we'll talking about know, but, the Baldwin brothers them, and Baldwin pianos. But between them, there have been so many Baldwin movies. All the Baldwin brothers have been in so many movies. We could quite easily do a um, <laughs> do, do a um, do a podcast just about them. We definitely could. Yeah, <laughs> the Baldwin special. So, well, let's let's do an overview now, and then at another point in time, we can do the Baldwin special. We'll do the Baldwin special. So, so William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin. Um, he was in Backdraft, the fireman movie with Kurt Russell. That's a good one. Um, he was in Sliver, which is one of those weird psychosexual dramas that seem to be everywhere in the 90s, where he's a creepy guy who um, lives in like the penthouse of this New York, New York apartment building um, in a movie that also stars Sharon Stone. Um, Nine, 90s throwback Sharon Stone. She was, ev- <laughs> she was everywhere in the 90s, wasn't she? Uh, she she was she was was old Sharon, um, uh, best known for well not best known for but she's amazing in the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Total Recall. Yeah, and um, Basic um, Instinct and Basic Instinct. But in in Total Recall, she is the um, she's the supposedly Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. But then he like well, it's kind of implied that he's actually a secret agent who's been brainwashed and put undercover and then he's got to run away to Mars. But is it all a virtual reality simulation in his brain? Ooh. Let's not spoil it now. No, exactly. Um... Let, let's just remind <laughs> you that the Philip K. Dick story that it's based on is called We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. Yes. and so, the, the, in, the, Infer the, from that what you will. Yes, and the, sh- <laughs> the, the short story itself is very strange um, because it's... I seem to remember that it's about tiny, tiny aliens. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's and like they're all remembering different. stuff. And they're all remembering stuff. All the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so old, um, old Billy, he was, he was in Flatliners, Backdrafts, Sliver, Fair Game... Uh, virus which is another one of my favorite one of my favorite subgenres of movie is horror movie set on a boat and as we have already established with ghost ship oh yeah um, yeah that one where it was a boat with the skull on it on the poster (laughs) yeah um Um, deep rising as well as another one of these fantastic movies from the subgenre and virus is a great one um because it contains a weird um, biomechanical horrible hybrid of a toaster and Donald Sutherland. Well, it's not. It's not a toaster, but it's Donald Sutherland with loads of robot bits on him, and it's really funny. Um, it's it's yeah, it's great. Virus, highly recommend it if you're into your cheesy uh, like action horror films. Um, so he, so he was in a fair bit. Was old was old William Baldwin. Um, there's Alec Baldwin, obviously, um, best known for 
it's complicated um <laughs> but also but also glengarry glen ross the departed etc etc um the guy who turns up in a movie steals the scene for a while and then disappears out of your life yeah like a spooky acting batman um then there was oh, Daniel glengarry Baldwin. glen ross is so good yeah, they're great great movie what's um, my name uh, fuck you that's my name <laughs> <laughs> and again and that's like the perfect example of the sudden scene of alec baldwin being great and then he disappears like a like a ninja poof, into the wind um then there's there's daniel baldwin who's in stuff um <laughs> stuff <laughs> he's he's in lots of things um i'm not sure what what sort of big things he's been in he's kind of the one that's done the most sort of tv and things like that um and then there's stephen baldwin um, oh yeah who was in who was in the usual stuff uh suspects that's right um and and also <laughs> was in fred claus as himself oh shit we talked about fred claus a lot in this, <laughs> this episode <laughs> that's why i thought it was worth shouting it out and then also he played barney rubble in the flintstones in viva rock vegas Oh dear. Which was the second Flintstones live action movie that nobody liked. Yeah. The first so, one wasn't a complete crime against cinema, was it? I I seem to remember despising it as a kid, but I was the kind of kid who hated all of those live action movies based on cartoons. I was going to say, did you like anything when you were a kid? I I I hated everything <laughs> apart from RoboCop. It was just <laughs> I was I was there setting fire to the curtains in the living room going, "Put RoboCop back on." <laughs> that was me. That's what you've got to look forward to, Paddy. Yeah, that I I fully expect my son to be just like that. A fire starter, a twisted fire starter. <laughs> yeah. Um but so anyway, that's that's the end of our rundown of the various yeah. Baldwins. Well, the point is the Baldwins are a good family and Alec Baldwin is the number one Baldwin and in this film he is this film is peak Baldwin, I think. It is peak. It is peak Baldwin. He he is full of the energy of the Baldwin. He's playing a com- um, a complete ass, but you still can't help but root for him, can you? And that's what's so good about the way this film is written and the way that it's played is you're rooting for everyone. Yeah, and and that's the thing is you, I I don't know if you root for him versus Steve Martin. I think it establishes no. that Steve Martin is a good guy. Relationship wise, um, you're like, come on, go go with Steve Martin. Yeah, but you're still rooting for him to find some kind of stability and happiness. Yeah, you um, you understand why, you know, he's having a difficult time, doesn't want to have another kid, but is being forced to go to the fertility clinic and jizz in a cup and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's the thing with the the scenes where it gets a little bit blue. It never really goes that far, but it's always like creeping up on it, and it's like, how much are they going to show you of the ma- like of like having sex or of him? jizzing in a cup or whatever it's like it go it comes close but always just stops short you know it's 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 safe yeah i don't think they would go to the extent of showing alec baldwin jizzing into a cup i think there's very well why not i think there's very few movies that would do that (laughs) but you know what i mean i think the way that it plays it uh, yeah i know i know what you mean it's always managing to get like play it for laughs Yes, yeah, exactly. Um and and yeah, so it's got that kind of risqueness that's not really risque. But um but yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it, it is it's a sweet little movie. It's a nice little film that occasionally has a cheeky sense of humor. It is. And can, and can we talk about Steve Martin as well because like I think this is definitely the first time I'd ever seen him playing like a serious role. 
And I was really, really blown away by it, actually, because he's such a funny guy. And, you know, I grew up watching his early films, like, you know, The Jerk and The Man With Two Brains and stuff, which are all really, really stupid, but really, really funny. And then, you know, as the you know, 90s and 2000s kids remember stuff like um, Cheaper by the Dozen and all that stuff. But also his stand up is really, really good. And he's just generally extremely funny. Um, and then here he is just being this really, really like straight laced guy. And you're like, wow, it actually really, really works. It really does. Um, and I uh, often when you cast these mainly comedic actors in in more serious roles, they do a tremendous job. And I think a lot of them do have a versatility that kind of um, gets ignored in, in favour of the more outrageous side of their comedy. And and Steve Martin just nails it here. Um, he's he's still funny, but he's also got this real emotional heart to him. Um, as much as any of the other members of the cast, I'd say he's right up there with Meryl Streep in terms of how much you feel for his life and root for him to succeed. And And you feel that underlying history behind him that's weighing on him and everything like that. It's a really, really nuanced, clever performance. Yeah, that's great. And there is a book where he gets to joke around a little bit when they smoke a joint and someone walks past and goes, who's got the reefer? And he like, does a funny voice. It's great. Yeah, there's little hints of little hints of old Steve in here. He also hasn't aged in about 30 years. I know. I'm, he, I'm he, not sure how he's he, he was born with white hair. That is exactly how he has always looked. He came out of the womb just like that. Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's he, he's great. And you really root for him. You really want him to succeed in this movie. Absolutely. He's the one you're really, really rooting for. You know, he's a, he's a lovely architect whose wife left him for his best friend, you know. And, you know, again, it doesn't dwell on all of that stuff and make him into a tragic figure either, you know, because it would it would be tempting for him to be like all really, really like, he, you know, he, he talks quite openly about the fact that he's having a hard time as a result of his wife's divorce, but he's not, like, weeping about it. You know, it doesn't overdo it. You know what, Paddy? He feels like a genuine human being. That's yeah. That's what he feels like in this film. Yeah. He feels like someone taken out of real life and put into cinema, which is very... I know it sounds silly to say it like this but it very rarely happens like that you often get characters where their characteristics are much overblown particularly in a movie like this but he feels like a real human being and the that at the end of the movie um she comes to him at his office and is like i'm sorry and i still want to see you and he gives a very human adult response to it which is you've got stuff to sort out you should sort that stuff out and that that really took me by surprise because I thought, oh yeah, he's definitely going to be sort of like, yeah, okay, go on then, and then they'll have a little kiss or whatever. See, I but thought instead... he was going to be an outright no because a couple of scenes before that, when it's the, the scene in the the very tender scene in the bakery when they're eating the croissants, and he's like, you know, it seems like when you said that you weren't seeing anyone, you wanted to say yes, and he's like, because if you are seeing anyone, you know, I have to, you know, I can't deal with that again. And the way that he says just that one line, he says, I can't deal with that again. Uh, later on, you feel like that's going to be so, it's going to crush him, obviously. And that's the whole thing that's in the back of your mind when Alec Baldwin's getting naked. Yes, yeah. When 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 Alec is getting the twins out. Um, <laughs> the, yeah. the two younger Baldwins. <laughs> the, two, the two youngest Baldwins. Um, yeah, you do sort of think, oh no, what's this, what is this going to do to Steve Martin? 
Um, but in reality, I think the way that he delivers that line, rather than saying, no, I'm not going to go through this, because if you genuinely did care about someone like that, you would want to take the time to reflect about it and give them time to resolve whatever they were doing. Um, which he does. Which he does. And I really respected the way that that was written. Um, it felt genuine and it felt earnest and it was very cleverly done. Yeah, it was. And then obviously at the end, after she's kind of had the discussion with Alec Baldwin, the very, very adult and normal discussion, as would happen in real life, and they've sat on the bench and agreed that the affair is definitely over. The next scene and the, the ending scene is just he, he's come back to do start doing the work on her house and it's in the rain. And then you just see him like leave the, the work blokes and walk with her into the house and they're talking about croissants. And it's like, yeah, so it's heavily implied that they, they've decided to get back together or to work it out. But you don't need anything more than just a bit of an implication there because it is complicated and these things take time. And that's the right way to represent that, isn't it? It doesn't have to be this huge thing that's the thing with romantic comedies and romantic films in general that we encounter in most of the stuff that we watch is that it's always like love is this huge all-encompassing enormous thing that that overwhelms everything it actually maybe in real life it's not like that yeah exactly um it feels grounded and i i and it feels grounded in a way that's kind of unexpected as well um, um which i think is I think that's the that's this film's greatest triumph, isn't it? That it still manages to do things that surprise you, even when a lot of the time it feels very comfortable to watch. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely comfortable. I I wouldn't say that this film is in any way groundbreaking or genre bending or anything that's really thinking outside the box. But it yeah, it's comfortable. But at the same time, it's it's still I think a step above a lot of what we watch because it gets so many things right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, we have watched the odd clunker, or even movies that we've we found joy in, which are a little bit on the uh, not so good side, like um, po- like Pompeii. How dare you, Paddy? How dare you? Um, yeah. Whereas this is a very well put together, solid, well crafted, structurally like formidable movie. Um, yeah. This is a professional film. Yeah, solid, professional AF. Good exactly. performances all round. Exactly. Good music. Our man Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Yep, Hans Zimmer is here. It, it's sort of similar in tone to The Holiday, isn't it? But it's more like cheeky, upbeat. Yes, yeah, it is. But you, it, got it's the, got you got the swelling strings when you need them. You do, you do. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all round good, competent filmmaking. Yeah, for sure. And that, that's what you want to hear about a movie, isn't it? You want you, The first thing you want to know is how competent it is. How how competent is this film? Yeah, every time I walk out of the cinema and say to the person next to me, whether I know them or not, I just, I just go, how competent was it on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, sorry, on a, on a scale of 1 to 20. Speaking of competent movies, let me tell you about two competent films I've seen. Yes, please uh, do. In the cinema. So I saw the Sisters Brothers. Oh yeah, um, which, stupid name. A stupid name, but a good movie. Um, Joaquin Phoenix and um, John C. Riley are sort of bounty hunting uh, brothers in Western era, and they have a little journey down to capture a man. Um, and Big fan of both those guys. 
it's good. It's very good. It's much bleaker in places than I thought because it's it's been built kind of as a dark comedy. Um, but what that means is there's scenes of bleak horror and then there's scenes where it's almost much more lighthearted in the humour. Um, so rather than it being sort of like a pure dark comedy approach, it's much more sort of sporadic. Um, but two very good performances and actually four very good performances because also Jake Gyllenhaal's in it um as well who 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 puts in this really great performance um as an a fellow bounty hunter who they're kind of following cool um and uh and yeah so so it's um and and Riz Ahmed is the is the person who they're hunting oh, down oh he's great and all all of them are, are fantastic and so highly recommend that although it is a little bit on the bleak side you might come out of it feeling a bit bummed yeah. um well, that's right. I, I, I can do bleak but i also saw us um, the Jordan oh movie, yeah that looks really good which is super awesome i yeah. really loved it yeah I, ver- so, I very much want to see that yeah it, uh, it i, I may to... have to go on my own <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i'm not sure whether it's the kind of film your wife would yeah. enjoy they do um, um like parent and baby screenings at our cinema but i don't think that'll be one of the ones i, d- on the I don't list. think us is going to be on that <laughs> list um but it's it's super good i really liked it um again much like get out it's not scary like uh, it's billed as a horror movie but it's it's more like a sort of clever thriller right um and it's it's really smart really well made great performances like good old twists and turns and everything like that and good bits of humor here and there um yeah one of the best things i've seen this year us i've heard nothing but good things about that yeah, really good. If you enjoy Get Out, you will enjoy Us. Although it's a little bit more weird, I suppose. Um, but hey, that's why I like it. It's got weird stuff going on. Yeah, you like weird stuff. I like weird stuff. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's my update <laughs> on what's out in the cinema at the moment. Excellent. Yeah, I haven't been to cinema in ages. Can't yeah, remember. I haven't been for a long time. And then two, This two wasn't your local... Your local small art house cinema was it? It was indeed, yes. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, ours is a the light cinema. You ever been to one of those? I have not. No, it's a relatively new chain. I went on with with um, Adam in Sheffield, um, and they've now they've opened one up near us, which is good. But yeah, let's see what's on there. Tim Burton's Dumbo, which I would rather watch. I don't know greyhound racing or some terrible sport um (laughs) (laughs) i'd rather i'd honestly rather watch golf than tim burton's dumbo um shazam looks looks like quite good fun yeah i've heard good things about shazam yeah captain marvel hellboy peppa pig festival of fun (laughs) hellboy (laughs) yeah uh we're not doing peppa pig by the way that's claire's already banned put a ban on that oh really yeah how come? What's what's? Uh... She just doesn't like it. Thinks it's creepy, and I kind of agree. <laughs> Get out, Peppa Pig. No yeah, time for you. we do not care for Peppa Pig. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, amazing. Ah, that's all good. Um, excellent stuff. Um, do you have anything else? To, we've kind of meandered. Do you have anything else? We to have. Say about, I, I think I just said this film as well. Deal, has a good has a good amount of dramatic irony as well. So with John Krasinski, just sort of seeing them, you know, you know that he knows, but it's not like he sort of finds out the whole thing. So 
and then it's not like it kind of gradually deals with like such and such finding out about the affair and actually things at that point kind of come to a head relatively quickly but there's just enough sort of fun that he has with it with them talking behind closed doors where it has that little element of farce and then it carries on from there you know it's well paced as well i think is what i'm getting at Mm. pace is good yeah it is it is very well paced um it's and again it doesn't go for the it doesn't go for the shock they find out about it in an embarrassing way well it's kind of embarrassing but not in the way that these movies generally do what is going on there Paddy? My, what's happening my calendar keeps falling off the wall and i can't <laughs> pin it back up what is what is your calendar, what have uh, you got uh, calendar? we bought it in um in italy last year got a nice um oh, picture of the lovely. isle of capri there um anyway i've lost the pin now so get in the bin <laughs> what was i gonna say i could just i could just hear this rustling and see you moving around i was like what's going on well that might have been me eating my dinner of course that that's normally my thing when the cat's being a shit bag yeah a lot of rustling lots of rustling not to be confused <laughs> with rustling not to be confused with rustling um <laughs> Anyway, right. <laughs> it's complicated. Do you uh, have any trivia? I do. I do have a little bit of trivia. Um, so Meryl Streep asked her alma mater, Vassar College, if they could film the college graduation scenes on their campus. <laughs> they refused. What the fuck? It, it, even though Streep serves on their board of trustees and two of her children attend there. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Get out what, of Why would you do that? Your, your humorless cranks. That's like... Okay, I I'm usually I'm usually not one to agree with the with the right wing that universities are broken and that like campus free speech is a problem, but that is a textbook example of her, of like campus free speech being breached. Where is Jordan B. Peterson? When you need him, yeah. Where are those two fuckwads who are now standing for UKIP in the uh, European elections? Oh, what Have those seen those weird turning those point two, people? Y- the, no, the YouTubers, the two dickhead YouTubers. Um, one of them was really involved in Gamergate. The other one is the guy who made his pug do a Nazi salute. Oh, uh, yeah. A, a, gro- a grown man who refers to himself as Sargon of Akkad. Yeah. Yeah, that fella. He, that he, that well guy. Known, well known among YouTube circles for being absolutely useless at YouTubing. That classy is gentleman. Now gonna, is now probably going to represent the UK in European Parliament for the last few months in which oh, uh, England is part of the EU. Um, Do you think I'm we sure should we should run for the European Parliament? To be honest, if we were going to be part of the EU for a while, I think one of the cushiest jobs in the world would be a UKIP MEP because they literally do nothing. Yeah, they don't turn up to European Parliament, so it's almost worth running a long con and joining UKIP and saying stupid things just so you can earn that wage. Because isn't it something like a hundred k a year? Yeah, yeah, it's more to do to do nothing to do literally fuck all. The, like, the, do you not think that that's why these kind of like alt right people are in it? I mean, yeah, partly because they don't have any skills. Yeah. Um, if you if you can't successfully make a pug do a Nazi salute, turn to UKIP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the um, that that's the moral of this story. So, Get yeah, Farage um, on it because he's got loads of experience. Oh no, he's the he's the Brexit party now, isn't he? He's now the Brexit party. Yeah. So actually, the UKIP vote might be split. So maybe these two absolute dumb fuck YouTubers <laughs> won't be representing us, and instead will be re- represented by Nigel Farage, which I guess is the lesser of two evils. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, um, I hope that mostly the, the people who would previously have voted for UKIP will be too confused by the existence of both UKIP and the Brexit party when they get to the ballot paper that they won't know what to tick and then they'll tick like all of the boxes. And then that would be most And good. then it'll be invalid. That would be most good. But yeah, I think as long as the people standing for the Brexit party aren't terrible YouTubers who used to be part of Gamergate, um, I think I'd probably prefer them just because otherwise it's setting a very bad precedent for the kind of people who can get into politics. Yeah, it's um, I'd, very I'd rather, bad. I'd rather a 60-year-old gammon who's going to die quite soon <laughs> over a 30-something man with an inflated ego um, who's a weirdo who believes in white supremacy and talks about it on the internet to other weirdos. Um, you know, that's probably what we should be aiming for out of the two. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Someone who doesn't really understand technology is definitely preferable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best choice, of course, is to push them both down a well. Um, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I don't know whether our current PC climate would allow you to do that. Yeah, they don't even have wells anymore, do you? Because yeah, of yeah. elf and safety. Yeah, you know, it was all that Simpsons episode about. And then all of a sudden, the PC Gone Mad Brigade were all like, oh, we'd better stop wells. Yeah, we can't have wells. Yeah, back in my day, you used to have a well outside every house. And yeah, you lost you... at least two brothers falling down <laughs> that well. That's why you used to have so many kids. Now yeah. look at this country. It's gone to the dogs. <laughs> no wells. Yeah. No, that, you know, and there's no water. You can't get yeah. water anymore. Can't get water. Can't get water because all because they thought, you know what? The deaths of children are more important <laughs> than having wells everywhere. Yeah, we need join to join the well to the... party, the wellness <laughs> party. <laughs> we we put the well in wellness. <laughs> the logo is Paddy, just the picture Paddy. of a well. Paddy, local elections in a few years' time. If we start planning this now, <laughs> there is definitely a place for us. Yeah, absolutely. Where I live, <laughs> definitely used to have a well. Eventually, yeah, like, yeah, I can I can definitely find out when there was a well in Byfleet and try and is it, like run on the ticket of getting the well reopened. It is not the coincidence that the well-being of this nation has gone down the pan, Paddy. That's all I'm saying. We exactly. need to bring the well back to us. You can't spell well-being without well. The United Kingdom of England, Scotland, and Wells. What's <laughs> happened to the Wells? Yeah, you know we need to go back to the the time when the capital of our nation was the town of Wells in Somerset. Exactly, exactly. Which interestingly is where Edgar Wright is from. Oh, okay. There we go. Um, <laughs> how did Wait. we get onto this? <laughs> I don't know. Wells, vote for the Wellness Party. Yeah, the wellness party. Yeah. Coming to elections near you. We're definitely not crooks. <laughs> yeah. We've definitely got the money. <laughs> We're just keeping it down the well for safekeeping. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so other than Alec, um, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson and Michael Douglas. Oh, and Tom Hanks were considered for the role. Yeah, that's interesting because um, Rita Wilson was one yes, of the lady yeah. friends. It would have been interesting to have uh, have old Tom in here as well. Yeah. But um, Mel Gibson, hell no. I I would not have been down with that. I don't no, think he's no. that bad, but I don't know that he's good. Is he Mel Gibson? What has he done that's, yeah. that's any good? Yeah, I'm not sure whether he would have been like good for this role. Old old Mel, he's he does some good movies. Um, you know, he did the Mad Max films back in the day. 
um classics Pas- passion of the christ i don't think he was in passion of the christ though was he oh was no he, he he directed it he was That's the director right. yeah um brave heart obviously the bravest of hearts yep back in those days you had wells oh yeah they, those were those were well days um he was in the lethal weapon movies obviously um signs the uh M. Yep. M. movie yeah um and I'm sure he was in other things as well. He was the voice of John Smith in Pocahontas. He was, he was. Um, and he was in Hamlet, a rendition of Hamlet that unfortunately is not like the one that appears in um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's classic Last Action Hero. Have you have you seen that little cutaway gag in Last Action Hero when it's Arnold no, Schwarzenegger's Hamlet? No, I, I don't think I've ever seen the Last Action Hero. Oh, mate, mate, it is a beautiful mess. Um, and there's like this one second clip that almost appears like a trailer for an Arnold Schwarzenegger version of Hamlet, where he's like throwing dynamite at people and things like that. <laughs> and it's one of the put it in the show notes. Find it and put it in the show notes. It's one All of right. the funniest. It's one of the funniest things from like a movie of that sort of ilk. Um, it's really really clever. Um, but yeah, so he's been in some stuff, but I don't know if he would have been necessarily suited to this. No, I would. I would like Harrison Ford. I could see doing that. Yeah, yeah, I could see Harrison. I Ford I don't this. think I'd have liked him as much as Alec Baldwin because no, no, and obviously Alec now that Baldwin. you've seen it, it's hard to get Alec Baldwin out of your head. But even just trying to be objective, I think Alec Baldwin's still definitely the best person. Yeah, I think he he is perfect for this film. Um, and then final bit of trivia: um, the film's depiction of recreational marijuana smoking in an innocent manner without consequences is rumored to be the main reason for its R rating by the MPAA. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is rated R. Uh, yeah, well, drug use, I suppose. Oh, jeez, God, drug use. God forbid that you should show people smoking a joint and having a good time. <laughs> you can shoot as many people as you like, as long as you don't show blood. By the way, that's why none of the Marvel movies have blood in them. Um, ah, interesting. Shoot as many people as you like and still get PG thirteen. Show show any kind of blood, like as a result of that sort of like gory details, or show um, people enjoying sex. Or that's another show, thing, yeah. That's really fucked up. Yep. Or show um show any kind of drug usage that isn't bad, um, and you're gonna get above a PG thirteen, I'm afraid. Yeah, oh, that's really annoying. Because, you know, she gets high and it's really funny. <laughs> she's like <laughs> Steve <laughs> Martin shows up to her, to her house and she's just like she's got the plate of chocolate cake and she's just eating it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like he is so good because he's just like bemused. He and he's not. Ju- he's like he's thinking, is she, is she high? He's not judging her either, and that's the thing as well. The film isn't judging people for making these kind of choices, whereas a lot of films actually do end up sort of inadvertently judging people for having affairs or smoking weed or whatever. But this film takes quite a light-hearted approach to serious subjects in that way, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, which is really nice. Yeah, and also seeing Meryl Streep get high is very funny. Yes, it is. It is very funny. Um, so yeah, that's it for the trivia. That's it for the trivia. Very good. Very good. You could, you could also have seen Diane Keaton playing this role, couldn't you? Like she's you she's could, she's in a thousand it. films that are like this, but she could have done it. She would have she would have fitted in well, wouldn't she? Yeah, for sure. Nice. Excellent stuff. So, are we ready to rate? I, I'm ready to rate. Let's do this. Excellent stuff. So how are we going to rate this? Uh, something to do with croissants. How many croissants are you how making? How many chocolate croissants? Are you baking in the middle of the night? Midnight baking. Oh, 
that's a good good question. I think I'm going to go for thirteen. So a good a good movie. It is competently made. It is structurally sound. It the acting is good, but it is a little bit comfortable. Yeah, that's the the only like negative you could say is that it's comfortable. But no, I like it. I'll go higher. I'll go fifteen. It's three quarters Excellent of the stuff. way there. It's a Bon Jovi upon a, bo- a Bon Jovi of a Bon Jovi, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's halfway there, living on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite reach a prayer. No, no. Yeah, so if if it's a twenty out of twenty, is that a prayer? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's living on a prayer if it's a twenty. Yeah. All right. Nice. So what are awesome. we watching? What are we watching next? So I've I've got some choices. I thought, you know what? Are you gonna, you're going to give me going to give me a choice? Are you? Um, I am going to give you a choice. So. There's a few people in this movie who are also in either movies that I have thought about watching or movies that I have watched that might be worth chatting about on this podcast. So you have an option of a movie starring Steve Martin, a movie starring um, uh, Lake Bell, who plays... Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, she's good. Um, Or a movie starring uh, Zoe Kazan. Uh, fave of this podcast yeah friend of friend of the podcast he was very good in this just as a kind yes, of a small yeah. brawl as one as the other daughter um let's go with steve martin because i'm actually this film prompted me to start revisiting his stand-up back catalogue and start thinking about watching some of his older films so now i feel like i'm i'm in a, a steve martin groove at the moment and he he makes country music as well he does he does yeah, he plays the banjo so yeah so let's let's do that Right, so we're going to be watching a movie that I've not seen since I was about 10 years old, I think. The Man with um, Two Brains. Yes, The Man with Two <laughs> Brains, um, which yeah, oh, which I remember so finding hilarious when I was a kid, and I've not watched it since then. I don't know whether you can get hold of this movie, or whether I'm going to have to try and find the old VHS copy that I've got somewhere. We definitely had a VHS, I'm sure, back in the day. Awesome. Um, yeah, great. so so man with two brains. It's a film that like me and my parents quote to each other. It's that kind of film. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I I can't really remember it apart from that it involves a brain in a jar and Steve Martin. Um, uh, <laughs> that's what I remember about this film. Um, do do you want to know what you could have had? Uh, yeah, yeah, go on. Um, so the Lake Bell movie was Man Up. Um, never never heard of that. Also stars Simon Pegg. So um, she uh, gets a gets sort of like uh, talked to by some guy, and it turns out that he's going on a blind date, and she pretends to be the the person who he's going on the blind date with. Huh. Um, that's a, that's a, a good a, setup. A, a neat little premise for a movie, um, which I remember thinking the trailer looked good, but never getting around to seeing. And then the uh, Zoe Kazan movie was going to be Ruby Sparks, which I, maybe I'll choose next. Time I anyway. did think that that was good. That was what it was going to be. Because there is a lot to talk about. Because we've mentioned it before. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe next time I'll choose Ruby Sparks. We'll see. Um, but yes, Man with Two Brains. I'm excited to rewatch this. It has been so long. It is. Yeah, it's good. I haven't seen this yet. Definitely since I was a kid. Yeah. Let's oh, do it. It's great. Let's do it. Good times. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, as always, it's on the Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pud or email us at bigboysdon'tquotepodcast at gmail.com remember to rate comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from yes what do you find complicated is it maths (laughs) is it baking yeah 
What what are you competent at? <laughs> what do you find that you're most competent at? Are you competent? If, how would you feel if Alec Baldwin was naked with his balls out in your bedroom? <laughs> yeah, and then turned around to reveal his buttocks. <laughs> These are the important questions. Like, do let us know. Yeah, would you describe that as a complicated situation? <laughs> Oh dear. Good times. Right, okay. All right. We will be back next week to talk about the man with two brains. All right. Bye bye. Right, bye.